Blackhawks fans, welcome in and happy home opener eve. Happy hour with four feathers podcast here. Johnny, Ron Luce, and Tony, my boys, how are you doing? Sensational, Johnny. Happy Friday to you, gentlemen. Happy Hockey Friday to you guys. Uh, we got home opener hockey tomorrow. We'll all be together. It's going to be a great time, but we get to start it off with a little Four Feathers episode. So it's always a, always a pleasure to be on the microphone with you, gentlemen. Hey, boys. Cheers. Happy Friday. It's uh, As Ron said, we'll be together tomorrow drinking some beers. We get to start the weekend off right and talk some Blackhawks hockey. Johnny, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. It's Hawks happy hour, guys. Uh, I love this time of the day. Um, happy hour. I mean, I think there should be happy hour every day, but it's even better uh, when there's a Hawks happy hour. And we got an occasion uh, that, that we're gearing up for here, and that is the home opener, obviously, taking place on Saturday, October 21st. We're here coming to you uh, Season 5, Episode 7 of Four Feathers uh, on Friday, October 20th here. Uh, we got a lot on the docket today. Road trip just wrapped up. Uh, like I mentioned, the home opener coming up. So we'll talk UC, some stuff that's new there this year. Um, we're we're going to look ahead to some of the schedule here. We'll rough some feathers, salt shaker per usual, and give you a look at what's on tap next. Uh, before we get into it, go check out ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. You can join the comment section uh, so we can feature you right here below us. Um, that's on YouTube or on Facebook. Twitter people, we love you. Can't see your comments, though. So go over to YouTube, Ontap Sportsnet, or Facebook, Ontap Sportsnet, and drop your takes in there. Uh, get them up on the screen for us here. All right, guys, uh, let's dive into it. Road trip is over. No more of that five-game grueling stretch uh, with just with the opponents, the media tour that they had, Connor Bedard's debut, and everything that came with that. How are we feeling after this five-game road trip? Blackhawks go two and three. Yeah, I mean, Johnny, you and I, I think our spidey senses tingled correctly ahead of this five-game trip. Uh, obviously, I would have loved Tony to be correct. Don't get me wrong. I think the the optimistic take was the one we all wanted to see. But um, ultimately, two and three, you know, honestly, I think it, it, it culminated with just they looked gassed by the end of it. And that's kind of where it went. But a couple of really nice wins in there, the Pittsburgh win, the Toronto win. Um, I think overall we as Blackhawks fans need to be pretty happy with how that five game stretch went. I think it could have gone a lot worse, certainly could have gone a little better, uh, but they played some really good hockey over those five games. And what was it, 11 straight days on the road or something like that to start the year. So um, kudos, kudos to the boys for looking pretty good through five. Yeah. You guys are spot on with the, uh, the predictions. I, I was off by one, but uh, you know, could have gone either way, Ron, we, we checked in uh, the other day and, and sort of talked about uh you know, this this Colorado game that was coming up on the schedule knew it was going to be tough, uh, but they put themselves in a position to make my prediction. That's all I was looking for uh, at the end of this. Uh, you know, there was, as you said, some great stretches. Then there was some stuff that uh, left a little bit to be desired. I think we'll we'll sort of break down uh, what went wrong in Colorado. But overall, I, I like to look back and say, you know, they have played a full 60 minutes of hockey uh in in one of these games i believe that was the win um right before in toronto where they just kicked some butt there that was a full 60 minutes of hockey you like to see that you know this team has it in the tank um i think you you hit the nail on the head ron when you said they were a little gassed towards the end of this trip but uh pretty happy right now with where we stand still high on the hawks Right. Yeah. So as Ron had uh, mentioned, we made predictions uh, on our season preview show and uh, Ron and I predicted two and three. Tony went three and two. I like the optimistic take, Tony. I know you're big about manifesting things, the positive vibes, then result uh, in positive results. Um, however, took a little more realistic line just based on 
the opponents that they're playing and it takes a little bit for things to gel speaking of things to gel i know you guys talked about the hawks finally getting their first power play goal but that's about it that we had highlight power play wise if we're gonna talk about you know get the bat out of the way first man the power play looks disorganized but i was just watching an nhl now segment i forget who they were interviewing it was actually uh from uh the abs who scored the shorty uh, on us last night o'connor and um he was saying that you know i like to take advantage of uh, teams early on in the season because power plays aren't just gelling yet. And we've seen that in, in bunches for the Hawks here. Yeah, that's a really good point that I, I think a lot of people kind of forget too, right? It's just like, yeah, you have preseason, but I mean, boys, let's look at the preseason. I don't think there was a single game where the full opening night roster played together. So, you know, to your point and to O'Connor's point, right, that gelling is still happening. Um, and I, I think we can all agree it's happening on the Blackhawks front because uh, a one for what are they now? 17 or 18 to start the year so far. Um, might be 22 after last night, Ron. I, I really do think it might be up that high. Might be in the twenties, but either way, it's, you know, low conversion rate. Do some hashtag number, number uh, checks here while uh, Tony shares his thoughts and opinions. I think the power play right now looks disgusting, boys. It's, it's bad. It uh, sick. Yeah, it does. Pretty sure we've given up more goals while we're on the power play than we've scored at this point. I believe that's a, a two to one, yeah. uh, you know, a lot, a lot ratio. Of shorties, yeah. it, that, and that's not good. I, I they, They're giving up way too many opportunities down the ice. I don't know if they need to readjust how they're, uh, you know, just positionally um, or if it's going to be just this story all year with this group. I know you talk about gelling. Um, and, and getting that power play gelled together. Tyler Johnson was the only one that's come through on the power play so far this season. Um, and he's been, as Ron and I talked about the other night, very hot on offense, just in the right spots at the right time early on this season. He's a veteran guy, a lot of young guys on this power play. They talked about Korchinski the other night on the broadcast being the guy that's sort of going to drive this ship. Uh, Ron and I had some words as well as to whether or not he's going to be with this team long-term. Johnny, I, I can't wait to ask you that question. Um, later on in here and get your thoughts on it. But this is not going to gel easy, in my opinion. It's it's going to take a lot of work. Uh, I'm impressed with the penalty kill thus far. Um, so it's not a full F if we're giving out grades for the special teams here. But uh, the power play has left so much to be desired. And if we can just cut down on giving the opponent just two-on-ones or breakaway rushes, out there on the power play this thing could look a little bit better but uh you're gonna need to find ways to score on it to be effective i can see this being the hawks biggest weakness right now through these first five games right yeah, yeah. i was just gonna say what well, only one strategic move i think it was tab bamford that sub- suggested it maybe moving jones off of power play one if you're looking for um, a little bit of different distribution at the top there that would be my only x's and o's comment on it yeah, gentlemen, just also, uh, I, I'm in agreement with you guys. I, I think they need to switch something up. And uh, friend of the good friend of the program here as well, Mr. Skokes in the comments, saying he's 100% out on Donato. Being on line one and being on the top power play unit over Reichel just doesn't fit there. I, I think it feels like there's going to be a lot of shifting and moving around uh, from Luke Richardson probably in the coming days and weeks of just trying to tinker and see who fits on that, that unit. Speaking of that unit, just hashtag confirming some numbers for you, gentlemen. Uh, they are one for 22, so touche, Mr. Nani. Uh, you nailed it on the head. But, Tony, to your point, very good on the PK, 92.3% so far on the penalty kill through the first five games of the season. That's positive. 
Positive. Like to hear that. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, part of that could be part of, you know, the opposite end of what Logan O'Connor had said um, about other teams not having theirs gelling there. But I do think it, it's a testament to the work that they put in the offseason and training camp and even preseason. We saw it a little bit more smothering in terms of their aggressiveness out of that diamond formation on the penalty kill. So um, other positives here, man, uh, there's a game. I think Alex Flasic, he broke up like four or five chances on his own just with that monster reach since it is spooky season it's nightmare on elm street street day on amc i've been you know, having it on in the background all day he is like freddie when he extends the arms and it's like really long coming down the alleyway that's what alex flask reminds me of hey there was a point in preseason where he had just a rough like period or so against like the red wings i was like thinking like is this guy gonna go back to rockford what's gonna be the deal here he is qualm any of those sort of, uh, you know, suspicions that, that I have had that would have, you know, crept into my mind. Uh, so props to him. That's a huge positive. Uh, my takeaways from this first road trip here. Yeah, well said. I, I distinctly remember us having that conversation on here, Johnny and, and Tone, just about what, what was going to happen with Vlasic. He, had, he did look rough through those first couple of preseason games, but he really seemed to turn it around uh, kind of in those last three uh, and really started to play like a an NHL level defenseman, and I think he's honestly just gotten better and better by the game. I think I can count probably three or four instances in that Toronto game alone on Monday night where he made some really impressive plays to negate some pretty pretty decent looking scoring chances that the Leafs could have had, but they just never even were able to form because he was able to either poke the puck away from a, a, an attacker or just completely get the puck out of the zone almost on his own to your point there, Johnny, with that crazy extendo Freddie reach that he's got going yeah. on. So um, yeah, he's, he's been very impressive. And I think so far we can all confidently sit here and say he's the, the young defenseman of this, that has shown the brightest future, at least at this point in his development. Right. It's a combination of a skill there and then just physical training. You cannot teach height, and it's not to detract from his other game and his positioning and all that. You just can't teach height. He's taller, he's longer than Kevin Korczynski, than uh, Wyatt Kaiser, than these other young guys there. So can't teach height, can't teach, you know, the speed, whatever, any of that shit, any route you want to go there. Toss a little caution into this uh, conversation, though, boys. I mean, he did have a little bit of a rough game against Colorado. Everybody had a rough game against Colorado, yeah, but <laughs> yeah. I, there's not much positive from last night's game, but are we jumping the gun as Blackhawks fans? I've seen a lot of this on the, uh, on the X machine saying that Vlasic is, you know, a dude, he's going to be that guy. Is it too early to declare that yet for you guys or hundred yeah, percent? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I think it's a little Absolutely. too early for me. I'm, I've just given my takes from the first game. five games. You know me that my, uh, position on defensemen in the length. You of like guys who come up and rake right away. Jeremy. I do. And it, it's nice to see, especially in like that Toronto game. I think, you know, then that's dangerous offense that he did it against too. And don't get me wrong. Colorado is probably even a little more dangerous with the speed and the style that they play. Regardless, just going off of what I saw, I'm not anointing anyone, anything. Uh, but I'm also not kicking guys to the curb just yet. We're five games and development takes a while. This whole season is going to be about development shit, even in the next year. Just be realistic about it. Yeah, and I, I think something just to, to steal some wise words from uh, the Bears on Tap shows a little bit earlier this year. We we talked about development for certain players, but we said it doesn't necessarily have to be linear. Guys are going to have up and down over the course of a season, but as long as by game 82, the development level on the chart is higher than where it started at the beginning of the season, that's all we're looking for, I think. And, and so far, I think Vlasic has had a nice 
trajectory upward so far on kind of that game by game development chart, if you want to think about it that way. Um, but agreed, right? Everybody had a rough game in Colorado that kind of knocks everybody back a little bit of a peg. They're like, okay, there's the bad game that I think everybody was was waiting for to see. It's inevitable, going to be growing pains. Um, you know, I, I think when it comes to the comments of him being a dude, I, I think I think people are mistaking what a dude is, gentlemen, truthfully, because. Uh, I'm going to ruffle some feathers here. And a dude, just because he looks like he can play in the NHL, doesn't mean he's a dude. It means he's an NHL player. A dude is like Connor Bedard. A dude is like Patrick Kane. A dude is like every other elite player you see in the NHL. The dude will, abides. Will, yeah. Will, will Alex Vlasic be maybe a really good number three defenseman someday? Sure. I think that's very realistic and, and very plausible. But let's calm ourselves on the dude thing here because until he's putting up a hundred point seasons as a defenseman or even like 70 point seasons as a defenseman, like some of these other guys are around the league, like Kale McCarr, who we saw a good dose of uh, last night, a, a dude is a little bit of, of a stretch. Got The reason we're having this conversation, you just got to love the early overreactions and underreactions and everything that comes with what we live for. the early part of a season. You know, it's funny because it's like you're starved all off season for it. We talk about how much we missed hockey and all that. So you knew you were going to go down this route uh, as soon as hockey came back. So it's, it's great to be back talking about this with you guys here on the Four Feathers podcast. Uh, one last uh, takeaway from the road trip, the trip itself. The bonding stuff that takes place not just on the in in the locker room on the rink, uh, but off the ice, traveling on the plane, shit like that. Uh, good culture builder, I think. Don't you guys? Huge culture builder and, and tone. I, I think you and I talked about this uh, on Monday's show a little bit, following that Toronto win. Just confirmed per Ron on a safari. Yes, confirmed indeed that this was going to be huge. And, and, and you know what? The NHL almost kind of, I think, gave this young Blackhawks team a little bit of a blessing with this road trip to start the year because there is no, oh, we're home for five games and guys can go out and do their own things with their own groups. And no, it's like we're literally stuck with each other for 11 straight days on the road and covering what was it that uh, friend of the program, Mr. Charlie Miliotis, uh, put out there. It was like over 3,500 miles, I think, or something crazy like that they covered over this road trip. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of time for this team to gel. And that's only going to continue to make things better, especially with the hashtag culture under uh, Mr. CLR. Ron, you uh, you sort of summed up everything I was going to say, and, and we, we did talk about this. Man, the West Coast circus trips, Johnny, it's like an early circus trip for the boys. And I think right. that that that's locations. Help. But yeah, it, it, it should definitely yeah. help. It should definitely help. Um, it's got to feel good for these guys to get home though and get some home cooking here. I'm, I'm sure that, uh, you know, they've been through, what is it? Four uh, opponents, home openers now to this point, um, yeah. which is a little ridiculous having to sit through everybody else's ceremony. I wonder if it's worn off for them, like the, the shine of this, cause they're, they're going to have to do another one here tomorrow night. But if, if you're one of these guys, you have to be so excited to get that warm welcome from your fans they haven't been uh, here since the preseason. Uh, the adrenaline should be up, especially for a guy like Connor Bedard playing his first regular season game at home um, and a couple of these other guys, too, uh, to add to it. So it, it'll be great uh, to see them just come back, rest for you know today, basically, and, and then get in there tomorrow uh, and have their own home opening ceremony. 
Absolutely. That's what we're on to next, because this is the home opener eve uh, edition of Hawks Happy Hour with the Four Feathers podcast here. Guys, schedule, events, times, all that stuff was released. Uh, so let's walk you through it. 2.30, parking lots open. That's A, D, F, and K. Uh, three game uh, pregame festivities at 3 o'clock uh, on Madison Street and in the atrium. We love the atrium here at ONTAP Sportsnet. Uh, if you're one of the first 15,000, giveaway is a light-up rally towel. So that's a new one. Uh, they said regular red rally towels last year. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the light-up ones look like uh 4 30 red carpet event that'll start on madison street trickle into the atrium there uh so if you're in that area having a beer you're in the right spot you'll see the boys walk through there um they say be in your seats by 6 45 uh that's when kind of the ceremonial stuff will start uh they will do a tribute to rocky wirtz uh late owner and um then after that puck drops at seven i would imagine it probably chimes in Slightly after that, closer to like a baseball start time, right? Like 7.05, 7.10, somewhere around there. But that's the timeline of events. Uh, should be an exciting day, uh, especially with all the buzz. Like you guys mentioned about Connor Bedard. I feel like that's what a good majority of the people will be out uh, to see and a reason why th- this one will be sold out, unlike maybe last year. Yeah, again, that 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 buzz is going to be unmatched uh, compared to last season, right? Obviously, there was still plenty to watch as we discussed, Johnny, early on. How to get through the Blackhawks season, uh, number 88-19, we're still on the roster at that point. So certainly people were excited to see that. And ultimately what we can kind of now confidently say was their last season in a Blackhawks uniform. Uh, but there's a new face in town. There's a new young star in town, and, and people are going to get excited about it. But it's good for the team. It's good for the trajectory of the sport, gentlemen. Um, and the, the sooner that the madhouse on Madison returns to its madhouse form, uh, the better, uh, personally, if you ask me. I could not have said that better myself, Ron. I'm going to just toss let's, it here. Let's, let's jump in then. We're talking about the Madhouse on Madison. What makes the Madhouse the Madhouse, right? Uh, it's the atmosphere. It's the camaraderie. Uh, it's the you know goals. It's the excitement, everything that comes with it. What have you missed most about the United Center over this long summer here, guys? Uh, let's dive into it. Oh, man. Well, I, I think there. there is a, a lot, lot there. there. <laughs> what, you, what have you missed most, Tone? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the anthem. You know, we got out there for the preseason game. I had my words on uh, how that anthem went. I, w- I want to hear a loud UC tomorrow because that's what gets the energy going for everybody, I think, is when Jim Cornelison comes out there, everybody's cheering. You've got the, the pregame on-ice display, which I think the Hawks have always done a tremendous job of, of putting together. Um but it's the anthem. I mean, it all culminates with the anthem right before the game. That is a hundred percent. That energy is unmatched. That's that's probably what I miss the most. Outside of some atrium beers, which I'm sure, uh, you know, we're all gonna probably have to say. But it's it's definitely the anthem. Yeah, the atrium beers are always a, a beautiful way to start the festivities. I feel like I that's mean, like the, the blank the, the blank space on our bingo card here. Just put it right in the middle, <laughs> of like you know, like you atrium know, really, beers. Yeah. Yeah, like everybody right, gets that right one. here, right in between all three of us. Yeah, <laughs> beers. No, you're hundred percent spot on. But yeah, gentlemen, I mean, I think too. There's a weird. Obviously, the anthem is beautiful. I think Tony nailed that completely. I'm gonna actually say the concourse, gentlemen. There's something about the hustle and bustle of a busy concourse at the United Center that gets you fired up for a game. And all the jerseys you see. Yeah, that's. Honest to God, my my favorite one. Yeah, yes, (laughs) my favorite part of attending any sporting event, really, but especially Blackhawks games, is just the you find a couple of them every single game. The obscure jersey that you know there's only like seven of them that exist, 
and you're like, oh, that's a good one. Or, oh, I haven't heard that name in a while. It kind of takes you down memory lane a little bit, too. Because yeah. you get some of those guys from even the cup years, right? Like, you'll walk past and see, like, a Ben Eager jersey or yeah. an Adam Burrish jersey or a Colin Frazier jersey. And you're like, oh, yeah, okay, now we're now we're talking here. You get some of those weird ones, and it's just – you know, you hear the the split the pot guys selling their stuff. You hear the beer guys calling for for drinks. You know, you hear just little kids getting excited because we get to watch Connor Bedard. Like, uh, it's it's something about the chaos that is the concourse for me that gets me really fired up. There's and there's like a there's, there's a serenity in it, Ron. Yes. even though it's chaotic. Yes, like physically. Yeah, it is. It is. It, it, it it's part of what ignites that excitement for the evening no matter what is going to happen in the right. actual game right so uh, you guys cover that atrium beers i'll use my free space there obviously uh, i can't wait to be back there tuesday uh, with you guys uh, slam them down um but i i miss tommy hawk tommy hawk's awesome he's one of the best mascots in hockey um and the drum too especially if he's right close to your section yes. some people and you get the people that get spooked and they like you know spill a little bit of their drink and stuff oh, but, oh shit <laughs> but then that starts the let's go hawks chant which we all have to do and you have to alternate it the real ones know you alternate it doesn't matter who they're playing with Detroit sucks in there. So usually you get four, oh, let's go Hawks, Detroit sucks back and forth and voila. Uh, th- th- I missed that. Definitely. Um, obviously the atmosphere, seeing all those jerseys you might run into a wild pet Comiskey on the concourse too. You never know. Our enforcer might be out Are and about Baker Mayfield. Yeah. <laughs> Baker Mayfield. If you're David <laughs> Kaplan uh, talking about it, doing pregame live there. Um, but yeah, it, I mean that all of that stuff, it, man, I missed it. I missed it all summer and I can't wait uh, to be back. Uh, us here on this podcast right now we will not be out we're doing a little watch party of our own for the home opener but look like i said might spot a wild pet comiskey out there be on the lookout for our enforcer uh comiskey 22 he'll be out uh, at the home opener so uh, he'll be posting some content for us uh over on our socials at four feathers pod and at on tap sports net so keep an eye out for that um guys let's talk a little bit about uh blackhawks experience here because there's a few new tweaks uh turns coming up here for this 2023-24 season and one of those is the return of physical tickets almost you can still get them not like the old days you can't just walk up to the box office buy a paper ticket, walk in, scan it, all that, take it home. Um, tickets are still digital. Got to enter that way. However, people had wanted to have these for commemorative events, right? Especially a big game, something that was a big ceremony. Uh, they'd mentioned that. Well, the Blackhawks took that feedback, and now they're going to make those available. You can order them after the fact, after you've attended that game. I'm assuming there will be some sort of input of, you know, this was my seat row number whatever um and it'll have all that standard information on the front just like an old like paper ticket would but then on the back they'll have game stats and information from that night uh that you attended the game so i think that's a cool feature it does cost ten dollars for um printing and shipping on all that but guys i think that's cool because i think there's gonna be a lot of people that want to see their first Connor bedard game first goal by him maybe the chelios jersey retirement i know that would have been sweet to have for the hosa one last year you guys gonna take advantage of this at all your thoughts on it Hundred percent, absolutely, Johnny. I mean, I, you already hit the nail on the head when you said it would have been cool if they did this for the Hosa game. In fact, I think they should retroactively go back and say, if you were at yeah. the Hosa game, here's an email. Um, I'm sure they can somehow track that through Ticketmaster and say, do you want one of those? Because I would immediately purchase yeah, that. Ticketmaster is their official one, right? Yeah. 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 Um, and there was some news about them also cutting out third-party ticket stuff. I don't know if you guys caught that. Um, I know I texted right. you about it, Ron. Um, so I'm pretty sure everything's going to go through Ticketmaster with this. 
but definitely the Chelios game. I'm debating doing it for the first uh, home game that we're at there, Johnny, uh, for the Connor Bedard. His, you know, the first time we saw Connor Bedard, um, you know, the Chelios, all that stuff. Uh, but, you know, it would be cool if uh, they do those for, you know, Connor Bedard's first hat trick at home. I could see a lot of these different things, people going to their birthday game, um, all that good stuff. Definitely, I, I'm going to take advantage of this as much as I can. Uh, I miss the paper physical tickets. I know you've said that on your timeline, Jonathan, that you're a, you're a big physical ticket guy. I don't know about you, though, Ron. I'm curious to hear what you have to say on this matter. There is a box under my bed of paper tickets from every sporting event I attended from 2007 to about 2015. I am a huge paper ticket guy. I love that physical, just commemorative piece of the game that by default for most of our lives was just a part of you going to the game that you could take a look at and look back on and, and, and reminisce about. I can tell you right now, I can probably look at almost every Hawks ticket that I have. And I can probably tell you what happened in that game. Like that's how that's almost like, they're like flashcards for me. It's how I, I keep like my memories intact is being able to flip through my tickets. So agreement with you, the Chelios retirement ceremony, for sure. That one is getting a, a commemorative ticket. No doubt. I, I think it's great too, because Gentlemen, I think something that we, you know, we've talked about the first Connor Bedard games and the first things like that, but because of the Connor Bedard addition to the Chicago Blackhawks franchise, I think you're going to have a lot of first time Blackhawks fans attending the United Center this year. And being able to have that commemorative paper ticket from your first Chicago Blackhawks game in person, because maybe during the cup run, it was just, it wasn't reasonable financially for your family to go to a game. Now is the time where people can kind of reminisce and have those memories and experiences. And it's a small thing that doesn't cost a fortune to say, man, I was there. And that was a really beautiful experience to be a part of. So I think it's a great move by the Blackhawks. I think they nailed it on the head. I think this is probably one of the best fan initiatives that they've done in a long time, because it's something I've missed for a long time. I purposely don't delete them out of my Apple wallet, which is probably a travesty to the data on my phone, but I don't yeah. really give a shit. But I like doing that. It's part yeah. of the fun. You kind of, pop them open and see which ones you have. And I, I miss being able to pick up that physical ticket and see like, Oh, you know, I, I still got the physical ticket from the Marion host to drop the puck out of midair goal game. And, and I can find that in that box upstairs. So to be able to have that again, even if it is going to cost 10 bucks, the $10 be damned. It's going to be well worth it. I think for what it's going to create as a, a takeaway item and a, a piece of, of memory from that experience for all Hawks fans going forward. It beats the hell out of printing out a screenshot of the shitty ticket master, uh, you know, this uh, scan bar QR. Yeah. It's got the stupid little like notches. Yeah. And then then it's got like the fine print of like, Oh, you know, your event is covered by yada, yada, yada. And it, it, it beats the hell out of that. So, uh, it, you know, just to I still the... save those though, Johnny from like, right. Yeah. But it's 15, you're, you're going to get a better look. You're going to get a better looking piece yeah. of memorabilia for your collection this way. So I like that they're doing it. 1, Good option. Uh, I'm glad. And I'm also just glad that they're listening to fan feedback on that too. Um, another thing too, you just talk about missing the United center. I was blanking on it earlier, but uh, the blare of the music, because they jacked that thing up and I major salute to Duncan Keith back during the COVID season. They asked what could make it more, more uh, normal with fans not being in the building. And he said, crank that music up all the way. And I don't think they've turned it down since. So it's beautiful. Um, I I love hearing that kind of stuff at the UC talking about getting out to the UC guys. Let's uh, obviously we're talking home opener here, but other games we're looking forward to uh, on the home slate uh, this year. Let's kind of send it around the table uh, and talk. 
Yeah, I think from the jump, uh, Johnny, you so appropriately named it this, and I think it's a game that we can all get excited for because it's starting to feel like a tradition. I've gone to one of these games in the last few years, um, but it's the 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 Blackhawks Friday game. Crack, crack them for Blackhawks Friday. Blackhawks Friday. Black Friday be damned. It's now Blackhawks Friday. That one o'clock pull, start at the UC. It's an annual meme now, Ron. Now that they usually play annually on it, I've got to pull out the meme. You know, it's like the Drake, uh, you know, shush to Black Friday and then pointing <laughs> at pointing at the Blackhawks Friday. Blackhawks that, Friday. That, that'll resurface on Thanksgiving night. A hundred percent. It's beautiful. It's it's always an afternoon game. So if you really want to have a good time with your friends, it's a day off. Most people have it as a holiday nowadays. Um, it, it's a perfect chance to get to the UC early, have a couple of day beers. You get to hang out in the afternoon and you still got a whole evening. You want to go home and watch some of the night games for the NHL and throw it around the league. You can. You want to go out with the friends on a good old Friday night. You can because, you know, it's it's day two of the weekend and weekend start on Thursdays here in case you didn't know at Four Feathers Podcast. So, uh, gentlemen, that's the first one that I, I'm pretty pumped about. And we're going to talk about it a little more in depth here in a little bit. But there's 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 some spiciness now between the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs and yeah. Chicago Blackhawks. And that's going to be uh, the opponent on that one o'clock start on the Blackhawks Friday. So very, very excited for November 24th. That's going to be a blast. Yeah, for sure. Tony. Yeah, I've got to go with uh, the Chris Chelios uh, jersey retirement game. Uh, not only was he my favorite player growing up, they happened to be retiring his number to the rafters on my birthday weekend. So definitely have to pick that game for sure. Uh, you That's know, I, I had an absolute Sunday fun day. It is going to be an absolute Sunday fun day. I'm hoping that, uh, you know, well, here at ONTAP Sportsnet, there's probably nothing going out on Monday, February 26th. I'm hoping for a nice, <laughs> nice long night after that one. We'll see how many drinks and beverages, adult beverages are consumed. It's going to be a great time. Let's hope they don't run out of beer like they did at the hostess ceremony <laughs> and food uh, by the uh, middle of the first. But I think they're going to be a little bit more prepared this season, hopefully. Um, but that that's the number one that I've got to go with. Uh, other than that, uh, Man, St. Patrick's Day. We got two St. Patrick's Day games this year. Not one. So nice. You got to do it twice. Uh, hopefully, we'll get uh, a leprechaun up in the uh, up in the three hundred level, as yes. uh, Pat Kamiski is so apt to find. Um, he's found leprechauns yeah, on the three hundred level of the UC this, before. Uh, let's see if he can do it again. I think we need to get an, enough drinks in Pat sometime to where he becomes the leprechaun. One thousand percent. He's got the red beard, man. <laughs> he does. He does. It's. It's there. All the elements I are mean, there. I, I think Pat, we just got to feel it. We got to lubricate it a little bit. Pat, we got to we got to get Pat him a leprechaun. And I could both be leprechauns. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. This would, like this could be some ones good at, content. Like, opposite ends of the three hundred level. Yeah. We yeah. can we, we, we can arrange that. Can All we right. get the Tommy Hawk drum when we do yeah. that and just go back and forth. Yeah. That's what I want to know. Yeah. All right. Um, do leprechauns carry drums though, Ron? <laughs> Someone can lead. Someone can lead the lead the cheers. I I can do that uh, since I, I'll be I'll become friends with Tommy Hawk and we'll uh, make that work because Tommy Hawk's my boy. All right. Um, for me, I'm looking for Tuesday. That'll be the first time that I'm going out the season, and I'm going with you two gentlemen. So that'll be an excellent time. And it's the Boston Bruins in town. Always makes for a good opponent. I've seen a couple of Boston games uh, throughout the years that have been always. It's always high uh, uh, high tension in those games. Uh, high stakes feels like, and um, I've just been to a number of them. They come out on both sides of them, wins and losses. 
never had a bad experience at them and surprisingly not gotten into it with any Boston fans there. So interesting. We'll see if that happens Tuesday. Uh, but guys, I love the holidays. I'm a big Christmas guy. You know, I, I love the holidays and they do it right. They do it up right when they uh, decorate the atrium. Like Tommy has like a massive like holiday party and like the trees, like almost like all the way to the ceiling, like past the top of the Michael Jordan statue. And they have fake snow coming down. Me and our guy, a Kins were sitting in the atrium last year. I was telling Ron drinking beers and it's falling right into it, but we don't give a shit. Little, uh, little suds to, add to your suds to clear out the insides a little bit so um they, they just do it up well and i love you know friday saturday night home games at that time of year a little bit of a light um sheet of snow coming down outside as you're walking into the uc so th that'll be uh the 22nd of december against the habs uh, and that's also you know original six matchup there um and you know there's just a rare one you see the central division teams a few more times but seeing an eastern conference team definitely a little bit more rare only catch them once a year um other than that like any any friday saturday night home games one of those would be uh the 9th of February against the New York Rangers. Um, that's right in the middle of like our tundra here in Chicago in, in that late January to like mid February time. So I like breaking up the monotony of it, like staying inside all day when it's just completely gray, uh, go to the UC, enjoy a night out with some beers and hockey. So, and obviously fuck Jacob Truba. So looking forward to that one against the Rangers. Incredibly well put. I think the only thing I can add gentlemen is I'm still waiting for the day. We got robbed of fans being in attendance the last time the Blackhawks actually played on my birthday. Uh, so Ooh. the good old 326 Tuesday night yeah. game uh, is going to precede uh, the birthday oh celebration. God, we, so that one's on the on the calendar for me as well. We're, yeah, we're going to have some good ones. That's some preceding ones there with Tony's and the Chris Chelios one and then that 326 one that you had mentioned, yeah. Ron. Well, Maybe we'll, we'll get lucky next year, year, Ron, and it'll be, you know, we'll get the 26th. We'll get yours in there. And, uh, you know, it'll be it'll be better next yeah. year, but we'll, hey, we'll take the preceding days. It'll be it'll be on a Thursday next year, which I feel they're, they're more apt to play on Thursdays, especially at home. So uh, I'm I'm going to cross my fingers and, and as many toes as I humanly can that we finally get a, a Blackhawks game day on the birthday. Fun fact, gentlemen, uh, the last time I went to a game around my birthday um, happened to be the Scott. um the Scotty Foster game was two days after my birthday when they played the Winnipeg Jets. So uh, a little, a little good fortune. Do you have uh, a paper very... ticket from that one? I don't. I wish <sighs> I did. That's one I wish I did. See another reason that the the paper ticket is. is Ron's going to be digging up his paper. old iPhones now and like, like oh, did I like save that <laughs> to my Apple wallet there? And it's going to be scrolling back through like three of them. Like, you know, uh, yeah, go to the archives. Um, guys, what, one last thing on the UC here before we get into ruffling some feathers and the salt shaker, our usual segments towards the end of our show. Um, there's going to be a new bar uh, opening up in, in the UC, and it's going to be called Rocky's Bar. Uh, it'll be open in December, so it's not ready to go for the home opener, but it'll be outside Section 119 because that is typically where uh, he would take in games from in that area. Uh, and it'll implement several quality beverages, some tailored to Rocky's memory, such as Old Fashions, Margaritas, Manhattan. Moscow Mules and more. A couple new food options there too. Not sure exactly what those entail, but the Blackhawks did post them on their Instagram story. So go check it out, NHL Blackhawks over there on the Insta if you want to uh, see what the food is. But guys, I'm more interested in the drinks. Obviously, paying homage to Rocky, and I don't know what, what exactly what his poison of choice was here, but I'm a big Manhattan guy. If we're talking drinks on the rocks, it'll probably cost like $27 there. But for the novelty and to toast to Rocky, I think I might have to go down there once it's open 
uh, maybe around the holiday time and have one for Rocky. Johnny, I'll join you because I, too, am a sucker uh, for anything that involves dark liquor. Uh, good old old fashioned as one of the drinks is a Manhattan, you name it. Uh, those are those are beauties. So uh, I think I will partake with you on that when Rocky's bar is open. Uh, I think it's it's perfectly appropriate too that it is in 119. I know that's a, a detail that they've shared as the why, but like I think fans need to kind of appreciate that because he was right, he was and- visible in 119 at almost every moment that he was so- at a game. And it's pretty cool. Uh, just a side note on that. Um, I was, oh, I'm always been a 300 level guy for the most part. Mm-hmm. I like the bird's eye view and, you know, 200 level Tony and I'll go and scope out some seats there as well. So I never really, I, I've sat in the hundred level a few times, but apparently there was like a folding chair that was iconic yep. to him. So I don't know too much about that. I'm excited to go and like, actually like learn more about all of that. Like I said, cause I was like a, you know, uh, the Dave Bowen's favorites, the three hundreds, the diehards in the three hundreds, that was more my vibe. So I didn't really go down into the hundred level a whole, whole lot, for walking from the atrium to um, my seats, so uh, I'm excited to go check all that out. Get a cool tribute to Rocky too. I will, I will say, gentlemen, one of probably my first two or three Blackhawks games I ever attended. Uh, the season before they won the first Stanley Cup, um, my dad had a you know we he had a good month. We were doing some fun stuff. My brother was in town. My brother's in the army. For those that don't know, and uh, he was like, "Yeah, we're gonna splurge. We're gonna sit in one nineteen. And we actually ended up literally in the row in front of Rocky. We were like the three seats in front of him. And every goal, it was turn around, high five, Rocky. So, I, I mean, he he really was. I mean, he was always there. It is just a folding chair. It's nothing special. It's not this beautiful, pretty seat that you think an owner would sit in. It was. I think it was just his way of saying, like, he wanted to be a part of the fans just as much as as anybody else. And, you know, for him to be in that corner at all times, it's a great view, too. If you're going to sit anywhere on the 100 level, sit in a corner. I'm telling you right now, it's the best spot. Um, but, yeah, and, and they're doing it right by, by having Rocky's Bar right outside of one night. Yeah, okay, I got to ask Tony because this is, this is a little get-to-know-each-other here on Four Feathers. I've known Tony for, like, you know, five-plus years now. But he's always been a beer man. Do any of these drinks entice you, Tony? An old-fashioned margarita, Manhattan, Moscow Mule. I think I've only seen you drink hard, drink hard liquor about three times, and one of them was over Zoom during COVID. Yeah, no. Uh, you know what? Honestly, none of those entice me at all to go visit uh, Rocky's Bar, although I want to go check it out just for, you know, d- the the visuals of it. And, um, you know, I, I'll I'm sure they'll have taps there, there as well, but you know. yeah, I'm, I'm sure I can go there and get a beer. I mean, if I'm going to drink hard liquor, it's probably going to be like a vodka lemonade or something. I'm not a big mm-hmm. uh, old fashioned margarita guy. In fact, I don't do the tequila at all. Um, I know that's Ron's, uh, you know, choice <laughs> right there, his his poison. But uh, no, uh, yes. I'm not okay, going to be Ron shitty any of those. Any, he's ready to, yeah, go, he's, he's, well, he's ready to go drink some tequila right now. Lounge tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I, I just had to ask. See, we got to, we got to, even, even if you think you know someone for a while, I, I just had to get the hashtag confirmation on Four Feathers Pod here. If you're just tuning in with us, we're Hawks Happy Hour here on the home opener eve. We appreciate you tuning in on the YouTube at ONTAP Sportsnet, Facebook as well. Um, and this will be out in podcast form as well. So uh, let's move on to our usual segments, guys. I like these are becoming staples of the show uh, in our fifth season of Four Feathers here. Um, ruffle some feathers it's time what do you got maybe a take that'll be a little controversial maybe you know rub, rub some fans the wrong way uh maybe you just got um you know something on your, something on your chest that you want to get off that's what ruffles some feathers is here for go ahead ron 
Yeah, I, I kind of shared a little bit of one earlier about the whole uh, the definition of a do. That one was kind of just on the fly, admittedly. But uh, the one that I have scheduled for our segment today, friends, is uh, if the Colorado Avalanche are on the Blackhawks schedule in the first 10 games of the season in Denver, expect more of what we saw last night. It's unfortunately the truth. Colorado plays fast. They play hard. And because of their depth as well as their speed, teams that are coming in who are probably not fully in game condition yet because it's still early in the season – have to go to Denver and you're that that altitude's a son of a bitch. The teams just look flat. The Blackhawks did the exact same thing a year ago on the the NHL opener. They were in Colorado for Colorado's banner ceremony and they came out and they looked almost the exact same way. It it's something about Colorado especially they actually right scored now. in that game though. We'll see. They did. That's true. They did. They did. <laughs> they didn't get blanked, but yeah. um truly I I think especially right now in the early years of this rebuild while they're they're still, you know, kind of getting their feet under them. And, and some of these guys are truly just learning how to become professional hockey players. Uh, expect a little bit of more of that. I think in two to three years, we can change that narrative. But for now, um, if you see the avalanche on the schedule in the first 10 to 15 games, probably more so that 10 mark, um, I just chalk that up as probably seeing more of what we saw last night in Colorado. All right. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely one that, you know, is becoming very evident here. Tony, you got anything for this or are you going to pass on this ruffle the feathers? No, I'm not. I'm going to have a very controversial one okay. coming up here. This is, this is a little interesting. So the Blackhawks announced that they are doing a kids casting call for in arena entertainment. And uh, it's part of their new best day ever series of games this season. I don't know if you guys have seen this or not, um, I but, knew it was just the only thing I knew about it was that they had some earlier start times planned out throughout yes. the year, especially on like weekends to get. Yes, these are all weekend. Them. These are all weekend games. And this is going to kind of go back to the theme that I talked about a little bit uh, uh, earlier on in this. But they're looking for kids to be part of these uh, in arena broadcast hosts, pregame entertainment acts, all of this stuff. But when I saw one thing on this list. I was a little disappointed, and that's national anthem singers. Children, national mm -hmm. anthem singers on weekend games. These are Sunday, November 26th, Sunday, January 7th, Saturday, February 17th, Sunday, March 10th, and Sunday, April 7th. I don't know about you guys, but Jim Cornelison is just such a staple. I'm all for yeah. letting kids, you know, announce the starting lineups, announce stuff, do entertainment acts but you're robbing people who may or may not be coming to these games of hearing Jim Cornelison sing a national anthem in the madhouse on Madison. I, you know, just, it might ruffle some feathers. Some people might say it'd be great to hear a kid out there singing the national anthem while the crowd is roaring. I don't know if that's your one Hawks game that you get to get out to every year. You might want to see Jim sing that national anthem and what if a kid just gets out there on the ice and fucks the whole thing up? You're going to be pretty disappointed. Right. Um, it, granted, they're going to screen these these kids. But for me, don't touch the national anthem with a, with a kid singer. We've got a good tradition going here. Maybe Jim's got something else going on in these days. I don't know. This could be a very controversial take. But I felt like that's the point of ruffling feathers. Yep. I would be very disappointed if I got out there and it was – my son singing the national anthem because he ain't going to do it as good as Jim Cornelison. So yeah. that's my right. segment for Ruffling Feathers. Tony, salute to fine. I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't even know they were incorporating that. So shout out to you. And I agree wholeheartedly. Um, and I think that 
where I would slip up is I, I agree with you. Like, you know, maybe you're like, you know, this is your one Hawks game a year and you don't get it. And if there's a schedule conflict with Cornelius and that's a different ball game, but even with that feel like there is other places, there's two intermissions. You got two full 18 intermissions. They do the kids game on the ice. They can have entertainment up at like, you know, where they put like DJs or whatever, like the little trivia things that they do up there. They can do that at those intermissions. They can do it pregame. They can do all those sorts of performances. Shit. I've seen plenty in the atrium. There's plenty of space and time for this. Tony, I agree with you hundred percent. I would not want a kid fucking up the anthem because let's be honest. It, it, it's not, I'm not trying to shit on little kids and say they shouldn't have this opportunity. You can get nervous. Shit. You've seen adults get nervous and screw up the anthem. It can happen. Are you, you know, sure. It'd be a cool moment if people like, you know, chimed in and sang along with the, the I know that there's been plenty of videos of that. You really doing your full cheer the anthem mode? If kids just butchering it, I don't think so. That's just the truth. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be as amped as if it was Jim belting it on the pipes with Frank on the keys. Yeah, I mean, and you think on top of it too, gentlemen. Even the players in the ice have cited that the anthem is a, a, a home ice advantage in a lot of ways at the United Center. Longtime Hawks and guys who've never played for us have all yeah. cited it. So I, I mean, it, it certainly is something that. There, there's certain things that I think agree with you guys, right? For the kids, you're willing to bend and break, but the the anthem is certainly one that it just changes the atmosphere, I think, coming into that game a little bit. And, you know, maybe the Hawks come out flat and they lose four to three or something like that. And then you go, son of a bitch, I wonder if they would have had more energy. Say we're not blaming potential kids' performances for this. You fucking sucked! It's the the atmosphere, I think, is what Tony is getting at here. And I wholeheartedly agree. It's something that is very unique the Blackhawks game. So I would not want to change it. Never change anything ever. You know, my motto, Tony. Um, all right. I'll take it back onto the ice for this one. Um, early Lucas Reichel concern. I just said earlier in the show, I'm not going to bury anyone. I'm not going to bury Lucas Reichel because he needs to get his run. We need to see exactly what he's made of, but I've had this fear since he was drafted. What 17th overall, when you're picking in the middle of a round there, how much were we really expecting from this guy? Is he really going to be an impact impact piece? People like to pair him with Bedard and like say like, oh, well, this is the future, like up the middle and all of that. I'm not ready to go there. I'm not ready to cast off Lucas Reichel and say he needs to go back to the AHL yet. But no points so far. I know that you know th- there is plenty of other guys that are still not scratching the score sheet, and he's adjusting to that center position. I totally get it. I just don't know if he's ever going to be what we've kind of built up in our minds just because things are the foundation is in place. Tony, we've seen a foundation crumble on the South side with guys that were supposed to be the guys, even more highly touted shit, a number one overall prospect down there um, can't even stay healthy a whole season and disappoints when he is. So I just, I just have always, I've always had this lingering in the back of my mind and now seeing it when he's in this elevated role, even though it's early and I'm going to give him the run. I want to see him prove me wrong. And I would just be like, Oh wow, he's really impressing me now and look at at the uh four feathers episode from early in the season johnny was such an idiot i really hope we're saying that guys but i also don't really foresee that in the future i think i might be right that he might just be what he is and sure you'll see some uptick he's going to score points this year it's going to happen don't get me wrong but is he really going to be an impact guy for the long term or does that second line center come from free agency that's where my mind's wandering Ron and I had a long talk about Lucas Reichel earlier this week. And, you know, I'll just reiterate quickly what I had said there. When it comes to, I've already seen people trying to move him over back to the wing. And I think that that's respectable. However, uh, the the gist of this was, if you're going to try this, 
at least commit to it for a significant I'm, period yeah. of time, right? Right, and see if it works, and then go from there because you could start making adjustments on the fly, and you very well might be right, Johnny. He might not even stick at wing. He might not be on the Hawks when we're heading towards competing. You never know. Um, but ELC's already running too, and it was burned. Yeah, Remember I that? mean, it's it's definitely it's definitely worth bringing up this concern right now. I don't know what's going to help him, but I mean, Ron's probably got a better idea here. He's the, he's the resident GM. Does he, does he need to move back to wing Ron earlier than what I said? I mean, to even give him a fair shake because Johnny's concerned. And if Johnny's concerned, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's like in you know in, in the mafia movies, and they say they're just a little concerned. That means they're really concerned. No, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I swear to God, it's not like that. And I'm not even advocating moving him back over to the wing yet. You ruffled I, my feathers here. I just Don. I, exactly. Help me out. <laughs> I just have always had this feeling from when he was drafted 17th over, and that's no fault of his own because the draft plays out like it does. But man, I just thought, is this really, really a true contributor when we're looking at the future? Like See, real contention. No. Man, as you said, the same shit about like Sakura when he came up. Yeah, well, and that's not a good precedent. No, no yeah, well, that, granted, it's a little bit different tier. But I was gonna say, yeah. in fairness, Dylan Sakura was a sixth round draft pick, so I, I think it's a little bit different. But no, I think I think the whole Lucas Reichel situation, gentlemen, is the playing AHL center and playing NHL center are completely two different worlds. Uh, there's so much more defensive responsibility in the NHL. The speed and pace is so much faster. You're expected to do so much more. It's a hard position to play. And even, and you add into that, having to take faceoffs in the dot, we've seen Connor Bedard and how little success he's already had so far in the dot. And that's normal. You look at any of the Sid centers, sucked at the dot in his rookie Sid year. sucked. McDavid sucked. They all suck in their rookie year. It's hard. It's hard to win faceoffs in the NHL, especially against guys that have been doing it for 15 years. I think ultimately Reichel's best position is when he is able to just play with his offensive skill. And to me, that is on the wing. So I think they want to give it the honest go. Right. And I think that's the right decision because you have nothing to lose by giving him a year at center. I I think in the future though, if we're talking optimally, he's probably a middle six forward. So second, third line wing, probably maybe I think upside truly like a second line winger, but I think he plays best when there's a really good two-way center in between him. And I, I got to give some flowers to Philip Kurashev here because Lucas Reichel's most successful stint in the NHL was playing alongside Philip Kurashev at center and the blazing speed of Andreas Athanasiu on the opposite wing because it opened up Reichel. It opened up everything that they wanted to do on that line. And I, I, I hate to say it. I think Philip Kershev missing from this lineup right now is maybe hurting Lucas Reichel, as weird as that sounds. They were together for almost all the training camp. And then right before the preseason ends, Kershev gets hurt. And then Andreas and CU is still getting his feet underneath him after being sick. Lucas Reichel has to adapt to new line mates. Oh, and he has to play second line center in the NHL. So yeah. I, I think the yeah. concern is fair, Johnny. Truly, I, I do think right. it is. But just personally looking at the long term, I think ultimately his best success in the NHL comes on the wing. And one of the the Oliver Moores or the Frank Nazars in the system could potentially become that number two center of the future. If it's right. not from free agency, like you noted. Yeah, I think that's all good notes here. And we got to close We're going to get down to Salt Shaker. Look at what's on tap next. Close this episode down. Last thought on Lucas Reichel. This is a quick turnaround solution. If I want this vibe mojo to turn and him to just, you know, start um, accelerating in his game here. 
Spencer coming home. He needs to get laid. He needs to come to the rink on uh, for morning skate on Saturday morning and fuck around with the boys. Do a little shoving. Do a little, you know, give each other shit. You know, get in there because I feel like he's just kind of like sit back and like, you know, he's very like nice guy, but kind of like why he's get like, you know, in it. So that gets him like buzzing for the game. Enjoy, you know, good high fives and everything from the fans at the red carpet. Uh, go out, tool around in warmups and record just a point in the home opener on Saturday. And I feel like that could reset himself in confidence mindset wise. Some smelling salts too, Johnny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Smelling salts. Absolutely. That'll get I mean, that'll get you going. Do all that. So. All right, we'll close that, ruffle some feathers on that note. I think it was a good segment this week, boys. Let's move on to Salt Shaker. We'll go real quick on this. Ryan Reeves was not too happy with Corey Perry, uh, calling him like a fake tough guy and all that kind of stuff. Um, we got a Leaf fan in our replies, Mr. Subject Matter, as I like to call to him. He's either blocked us or made his account private now, uh, but he was like trying to get into the technicalities with me of what's a tough guy and what's not. And Ryan Reeves had like six. 30 time on ice, whereas Corey Perry scored that breakaway goal and all that stuff. So um, to that, that Leaf fan out there on Twitter, they probably never hear this, but man, uh, the salt shaker goes, uh, I'm just going to open up the whole Morton uh, can and dump it on your head. Cause you were extremely salty uh, and getting into it with other Hawks fans. that just wanted to tell you how dumb you were. So we'll go with that. Ryan Reeves, you, you can get some salt uh, on you too. Um, Cause you're obviously salty. And I like Luke Richardson's assessment of it. Who really made a bigger impact on the game? I think that's all that needs to be said on that front. Other one I've got, everyone loves to cry about Connor Bedard and how much the NHL posts about him. Oh my God, the NHL doesn't market stars. They finally do it. Oh my God, why are you posting so much about, about Bedard? Ducks fans were doing it yesterday because Leo Carlson was finally set to make his debut. They did still post about him, by the way. Anyway, Leo Carlson does go on uh, to score a goal in his uh, season debut. And that, that was cool. It was a good goal. Um, Ducks lost, by the way. Connor Bedard won his debut. But the NHL then posted a full slow-mo frame-by-frame frame video with a cool edit and all of that after he scored his first, and I didn't hear anyone crying about it after that. So maybe just have a little patience. And Ducks fans, uh, we're, we're throwing the salt out to the Pacific Ocean for you for this one. That's what I've got on this salt shaker. I think you nailed it on the head, Tom. Hey, I think that's Tony. it. Yeah, I think that's it. We got to move along. Look at a couple, what's on couple boxes of Morton salt to the West Coast and yep. to uh, the six. Yeah, and we call it yeah, a day. That's the six. Yep. Yeah. Sounds good. Perfect. All right. Um, let's go. What's on tap next? And that's the home opener itself. Game itself, guys. Vegas is looking like the best team in the league right now. They're obviously the reigning Stanley Cup champions. They're 5-0-0. Oh, oh. um, they look unstoppable. So we talked about this being a grueling road trip. Does get any easier opponent wise coming home? Sure, you might have the comforts of home being sleeping in your bed, all of that. But on the ice this is probably the best opponent that you've played so far. Yeah, but you know, Johnny and Tony, what the the Vegas Golden Knights haven't seen yet this year? That's Peter Morazic. Uh, because I hate to say it, boys, Peter Morazic's been really fucking good so far this year. Tony's going to die. Blackouts. Tony, might Tony hates bad. it. Tony, Tony hates it right so much. But you know Ron, what? I think man? we need to play Surfing Bird on repeat at his house when we go over on Saturday. Bird, 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 bird's the word. You know, I'll tell you guys, I really do think like it could be good though for Luke Richardson and company to finally be able to control the second change. Like this is the time where you get to make the matchups the way you want them for the first right. time this season. That's They've true. had to play the first change on the road the whole time and they still managed to pull out two wins out of five games. Maybe just maybe no team stays undefeated for very long. And if Vegas overlooks the Blackhawks at all, 
that could end really, really poor, poorly for the reigning Stanley Cup champion. So if I'm Vegas, I tread with caution. Don't be, don't be, you know, oh, snoozing on, you know, this, this rebuilding Blackhawks team because they've given some of the best teams in the league already a run for their money in the first five. What's one thing the Hawks have to do to beat Vegas on Saturday night, Tony? I think your first line, the first line needs to get two points. I think that's very evident. Um, you need to find a way to not look like you did. If you're the first line, not look like you did in Colorado. Um, they need the scoring. You can't let Stone shut you down then. Yeah. Yeah. Like they did. Yeah. And I'm worried about that with this. Although I will say we've already got one out of the way. I know we'll all be together. I invited my neighbor, Doug. You guys are are big fans of Doug. Everybody's a big fan of Doug, but he's also a Vegas Golden Knights fan. He won't be in attendance during the game. He might be drinking with us afterwards. But just knowing that he will be out of the neighborhood during this game, I think gives us a better chance because weird things happen right. whenever Doug's in the garage. So yeah, um, I think that's that's a, a step in the right direction for us. It, it definitely helps me want to hammer the money line just that much more. All right. I like it. I like it. Then after that, we'll probably be back possibly on Monday before that. But if not, I will be out Tuesday. So be on the lookout at Four Feathers Pod and at ONTAP Sportsnet on the X and Instagram there. Uh, we're going Tuesday. Boston coming to town. We've already seen them once. Uh, they defeated the Hawks 3-1 to one, uh, last Wednesday. So crack it revenge here. And uh, Connor Bedard is the only team he scored against. So maybe we'll get lucky and see another Connor Bedard goal here on Tuesday, boys. I'm looking forward to it, especially all these things that we mentioned earlier in the show being back at the UC with you guys. Um, I don't know about you, but I don't got too much else. It's hockey season's back and it's great. Hockey season's back and it's a, it's a happy hockey Friday boys. And it's on to the weekend. It's all I weekend, got. Weekend started on Thursday, continuing Friday, be a bender on Saturday till next time. Thank you for tuning into four feathers podcast. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks, baby. <laughs>